Welcome to episode 13 of the Busy Fit Podcast. If you missed episode 12, Emily Cayley, our registered dietitian and success coach, dove into third-party testing and why that is important for the supplements that you take and why some things that you think of at the grocery store may also need to be third-party tested. Today, we're going to dive into nutrition misinformation and red flag diets. Thank you for joining us today, Emily. Yeah, awesome to be here. So this is a really interesting topic and it comes up almost daily with both, you know, new clients with us and and potential clients and really just in general. It's just there's so much misinformation around nutrition and there's obviously diet culture where you hear of all these different, you know, types of diets that may or may not get you results and can ultimately end up being harmful for you not just from a like health perspective but long-term wise as well with your metabolism. Emily, what are some red flags or warning signs that indicate a diet or nutrition might not be based on correct information? Whenever anybody says it works for me, it'll work for you. Red flag. Um, Every body, every single body is very different. So if it works for one person, it might not be the best for you. So if you have a friend, a coworker, a coach, telling you just that it works for me. It worked wonders for my last client. It'll work for you. Red flag, especially if they don't know the ins and outs of you and what your goals are and what your past has been on a nutrition front. Um, Really need to dive into that first before recommending anything on a nutrition standpoint, a diet, anything like that. Um, Another red flag would be on the internet and the internet can be a really scary place to get information. And I know we'll dive into that too. Um, If a diet or recommendation is being told to you by someone who is not an expert in their field, so not by a registered dietitian or not by a doctor um, that has a nutrition background, this could be really scary. Uh, This could be someone who just writes like a food blog or someone who has had maybe some schooling as far as nutrition goes or strength strength conditioning goes. um, And they are saying, try this. There's research on this. Look at that research. How many participants was in that research? Was it five participants? That's not good. That's not enough to say that that recommendation or that worked. So when you're looking on the internet, you could type in the word, anything that you're looking for with the word dietitian, and you will see articles written by dietitians. You can also look at the bottom of this article and you could see what kind of research that they're referring to. Look up that research too, to make sure that it, it, that there's no red flags in that as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot of red flags out there. Um, from friends, family, coworkers, and on the internet. You mentioned something really interesting there. You said to rely on sources that are from registered dietitians, someone that has like the the background or accreditation. And, you know, obviously with Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all of these different um, platforms, you know, anyone has a voice to be an expert on nutrition or health in general. Uh, And so for the listener today, what are some of the differences between someone, say, that may have done it for themselves versus a nutritionist or actually a registered dietitian? 
So talking about like influencers and all that stuff, you have to remember that they're being paid to say this. So if you're watching something on social media or you're reading something and it's sponsored, remember that they're being paid to say this. They might not know exactly what they're saying or care about who they're hurting. So you have to watch out. Are they being paid to say this? And the difference between an expert So a nutritionist sounds like an expert, but they don't have any credibility. They didn't go to schooling to become a registered dietitian. Um, They don't keep up with their continuing education. So they don't know exactly what's going on with the research and they do not need to keep in within an ethics code. A registered dietitian does, right? We go through the schooling, we get our licensure to work with our clients. We take continuing education to make sure that we're all Um, up to date with all the research and we have to stay within ethics code and with that we only can give nutrition recommendations recommendations based off the latest research so would i would educate yourself on the different experts out there Um, i can call myself a nutritionist but my highest title is dietitian a nutritionist cannot call themselves a dietitian. So you you really want to make sure that you're listening to the experts. Um, How can individuals navigate through the overwhelming amount of conflicting nutrition advice available online? A lot of conflicting nutrition advice online. You can read one article that says avocados are the best thing in the world for your health. And the next article could say, stay away from avocados, they're poison, right? We're seeing that all over the place. Like, don't eat brown rice and don't eat leafy green vegetables. Uh, But what is the research actually saying and what are these dietitians actually saying? So um, like I had mentioned, there's a really cool trick that you could use when you're going into a deep dive into Google. Put in your question and then simply put in the word dietitian and you'll see things come up written by a dietitian. You can also use uh, credible resources and platforms made by dietitians and run by dietitians. So some of them are like the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics or eatright.org of educational resources on there. Team USA has a ton of educational resources. It's all made by dietitians. CPSTA has a lot of educational handouts and and research. Um, But a nice trick is to add the word dietitian to it. Make sure the article is written by a dietitian. And again, we can only give you research-based recommendations. So we're not going to fluff it up or be paid for it or anything like that. Uh, what's the benefit of working with someone that's a registered dietitian? Like what can, can they help like navigate through all of this, you know, crazy information or like how is that more beneficial than just working with a nutritionist? A hundred percent. So what a dietitian does is because I have a lot of people coming to me, like, should I be taking this or how do I lose 10 pounds? I can't give them a recommendation right off the bat. I don't know their background. So the first step is that initial assessment. It is getting their background on nutrition. It is getting what kind of medications they're using. It is getting what kind of supplements they're already taking. It is getting their blood work and looking on what's on the inside before giving any recommendations. So if you go up to somebody or you're talking to a nutritionist and you just ask a question and they give you an answer without asking any like uh, questions, that's a red flag. They don't really know what you were doing. 
And there's the whole behavior change part of it. So registered dietitians are also trained to not only when we figure out your nutrition goals and your nutrition needs, then we put it into practice as far as what you're ready for and help you maintain that behavior change so that it is sustainable, safe, and you could do for the rest of your life. Um, so if you're working with someone who just gives you a plain answer and kind of leaves you at that, that's all you have. You just have an answer. You don't know how to implement it into your life. Um, and there's no, there's no follow-up. So a registered dietitian takes care of all of that. And that's what we went to school for. That's what we're trained for. And that's what we love doing. Uh, can you debunk some common myths or misconceptions about certain diets or foods? There is almost a, I would say like a fad diet, like almost every year now, like definitely every two years, it's the carnivore diet. It's the keto diet. It's the intermittent fasting diet. It's the cottage cheese diet. I can, there's a diet for everything at this point. Um, and they don't last long because they simply don't last long. They're not sustainable for life, right? So these diets are big red flags because you're going to do it for some time. You might feel great in the first couple of weeks. You might even be seeing success, but it is not a lifelong sustainable lifestyle. You are going to crave that grain. You're going to crave eating at 6 p.m. So it's not something that's healthy. It's not something that's sustainable. So we as dietitians, we are not looking for diets or those short-term answers. We're looking for things that are sustainable that you could do for the rest of your life and are still healthy, right? So social eating with intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting, yes, you have different windows. You can have a four-hour window of eating, six-hour, eight-hour, whatever it is, but you are going to be missing some opportunities to be socializing with people and eating, right? You're going to find yourself at a restaurant downtown with your buddies and you're going to say, my window is closed. I'm just going to sit here. That's actually not healthy. One of the healthiest lifestyles to follow is the Mediterranean diet. And in the Mediterranean diet, social eating is a part of that lifestyle. It's important to eat with people. The keto diet, the keto diet came about um, because children were having seizures and they found that a high fat, high protein diet actually helped minimize uh, those symptoms. And then people said, okay, I'm going to do it too. No, it's, it wasn't made for that. And it takes a long time for your body to get used to a keto diet. And you say that you're having, you're having some carbohydrates too. So you're not actually ever in a keto state. So these are things that we look out for as dietitians. They come to us all the time and they come to us because people are looking for a quick fix. People think that they need to be doing this thing or jump on this wagon of dieting because their friend did it and it worked for them for a couple of weeks. But what we do is we let them know, these are your nutrition goals. These are the things that you can avoid. These are the things that you can add in. And these are going to be things that are going to be sustainable for the rest of your life. And you're going to actually see long-term benefits of this and you're not going to revert back to where you were on our last episode we talked about supplements and them not obviously being highly regulated 
but also we know that, you know, even on some of these nutritional diets or certain supplements, we know that, you know, there would be certain claims there like, hey, this will help you, you know, lose this amount of fat or this will help you de-stress or whatever that claim may be. And they may re like reference some sort of research or testing, uh, but there's a lot more to that story there. Can you kind of unpack that for us? Yeah. Yeah. This, this always makes me chuckle uh, if someone sends it to me and I automatically look at who funded the research and what are they trying to say? So let's say someone's mentioning and advocating for the carnivore diet. Well, look who's paying for this. The meat industry is paying for it. And the research was done by uh, someone huge in the meat industry. No wonder why they're trying to increase sell like their selling of meat. So that's a big red flag. And right then and there, everything is, is basically BS as far as wanting to follow whatever they're saying. Um, so yes, you definitely want to look at who's funding the research and what are they claiming, right? So if it's eat more cheese and it's being funded by Kraft, duh, like they want you to eat more cheese. So that's something to look out for. Emily, thank you for joining us today. And for those listening, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Busy Fit Podcast and stay tuned for future episodes. Mm -hmm.